I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. But they have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... All right, we're live. Welcome out to Champions. YouTube friends, dropping your comments and the questions in the chat. And make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons as we talk with Fabrizio Romano here we go. I'm enjoying. I'm joined in the House of Champions by the boys, Jonathan Johnson and Michael Hood. And there's the hardest working and most talked about man on the internet. <laughs> yes, that's right. It's Fabrizio Romano. Welcome, first and foremost, Fab. How are you doing, buddy? All great. All great. Thank you. Big pleasure as always to be here. All right. Awesome. Welcome, everybody, to House of Champions. Obviously, very difficult to start the show with some sad news, but there is obviously news and breaking news has been reported out of Turkey. Um, and our thoughts go out to those who are affected in Turkey after the 7.5 magnitude earthquake that hit the southern eastern part of the country on Monday morning. Um, it looks like it has killed more than 1,600 people. And it also involves um, fatalities and injured people and people who are still missing, including from the soccer space as well. Yeni Malatispor, goalkeeper Amit Turklesan among the fatalities, while Hataya Spor's Christian Atsu and sporting director Tana Salvut are still missing there. Obviously, if we have any news or any reports, we will try to bring them to you as much as possible. JJ, I know you're covering this story pretty intensely. Your piece about this will be up on the website pretty shortly, but this is just dreadful news. Yeah, dreadful, uh, awful way to, to to start the the week. Uh, and you know, all we can do, I think, is uh, you know, send our prayers and uh, positive thoughts to to all of the victims and their families. Obviously, there's a lot of speculation at the moment, which can't really be stood up one way or another. So, you know, fingers crossed that, you know, we get as much positive news back and updates as possible. But obviously, it already sounds like, you know, a lot of damage has been done. And I'm sure that, you know, the, you know, the count will probably be even more sobering, uh, you know, once they can actually stand up those figures. Yeah, our thoughts and prayers go out to everybody involved and affected by this tragedy. And again, we'll bring you uh, news as much and as quickly as we possibly can have it. Let's try and turn to a bit more of a positive, or at least we'll turn to the soccer direction, the football direction, our beautiful game, and try to pick everybody's day up just a little bit. But certainly, if you're a Manchester City fan, it is not going to be picked up by the news that broke this morning. For Brizzo Romano, Manchester City charged by the Premier League for breaching numerous financial fair play rules. Now, I know you were across the story. Obviously, there's so many people who are across the story. But this is unbelievable. It looks like findings from a four-year investigation, 100 charges over a nine-year period. I mean, what are the deep details as to what's going on here? This is crazy news. Yes, this is crazy news, really, I would say, unexpected by Manchester City because today when the news was released and the statement was released by the Premier League, Manchester City were really surprised. That's why it took a few hours for them to release an official statement to answer uh, and they confirmed they were surprised with the situation. But in the reality, as you mentioned, there is this investigation, four-year investigation uh, with this big problem, big issue now for Manchester City. They will try, of course, to defend the club uh, in, the next, in the next weeks, in the next months. They are already uh, prepared to, to do that. 
But it's also important to say that, honestly, I have no idea of what kind of consequences now there will be because we are hearing many things, but it's still too early to say it will be a points deduction or maybe something stronger. So we have to wait a bit and see how it will develop. But the reality is that it could also have an impact on the club in general. It means for the plans of the club, it means for the strategy of the club. We know how important is the strategy for Manchester City and for City Group in general in everything they do. They love to plan for everything months ahead before, for example, the, the trans- summer transfer window and many other things. So internally, they are taking care of this, but this is a very big news for Manchester City future and for City Group future because now they have to make sure that everything will be safe and they can prepare the future as they always did. So it's not just about the points deduction or the exclusion from the league. We see many kind of stories today because, of course, it's a big investigation and a big story, but we also have to see what kind of development will be on the sportive side of this story. Fab, one person and one manager, the only manager at City, who is always questioned about his future, always questioned about his faithfulness to the project, Pep Guardiola. How does this impact his allegiance to City Football Group, given the devastation of this news? Yes, uh, Pep Guardiola was always very clear uh, on the on the financial fair play situation. When they asked him in the past, he's always said, uh, I want to make sure that everything is fine. They always told me from Manchester City that everything is fine, that we are into the rules. And so he's always been together with the club. We know how special is the relationship with Chiqui Begiristain, Ferran Soriano, all the people into the board are together with Pep Guardiola. So they're still together. I'm told that today in the dressing room, Pep was uh, very clear also with the players, saying that they have to stick together, that they have to wait and see how this story will continue uh, until the end because as we mentioned till now is an investigation there is this statement from the Premier League but Manchester City will defend their position so Pep Guardiola won the club and the players of course to be fully focused on the second part of the season on the Champions League of course because this is this is really important to Manchester City but at the same time for Pep Guardiola I'm sure it's 100% important to make sure that Manchester City are into the rules Pepe yeah. Pep always mentioned that and so I think the end of the story will be crucial to understand also the future of Pep also because he extended the contract a few months ago it was November he committed to Man City project and so now he wants to make sure that everything is fine with the club and City group project. We're talking about all of this sort of through the lens of what it means for City and people connected to the club but sort of looking at things from like a, a more broad perspective so there are feeling amongst people that you've spoken with earlier today Fab that this might actually sort of be kind of a precursor to people understanding what financial fair play will mean moving forward because it's something that's kind of been up in the air uh, both in the transfer world but also in terms of clubs qualifying for European competition you know what might actually happen what will be the defined rules we've started to get a few inklings that there are going to be sort of uh, you know tougher measures uh, you know put into place uh, you know with regards to you know the how the finances of clubs are, are structured do you think this you know sort of big news uh, you know something that's you know causing uh you know a lot a lot of people i guess in the footballing world to sit up and take notice uh you know could actually get people's attention and enable uh you know uefa to 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 lend a greater understanding to what financial fair play will look like moving forward Yes, I think this is a very good point, a very good question, because this is a crucial point. I think after this happened to Manchester City, but also what happened to Juventus in Serie A, the situation around the financial fair play is changing now. It's really changing. And also, for example, this is the reason why uh, in the January transfer window, Italian top clubs, Juventus, Inter, Milan, have signed zero players. It means zero players, Inter, Milan and Juventus in the same window. Uh, and this is showing how the financial fair play is having an impact. Uh, I'm curious to see, of course, what will be the development also for other clubs, because we know now there is a lot of discussion around Chelsea, how much they invested in January. So I think this kind of situation around Manchester City now, after a four-year investigation, also means that all the clubs have to keep an eye on the on the financial situation. And for example, this is why Manchester United didn't sign any player in January on a permanent transfer, but just to uh, loan deals with Vegors and Sabitzer, because they wanted to make sure they had no problems with the financial fair play after what happened in the summer with them investing a lot of money. So the financial fair play lures now are, are really changing, are having an impact. Let's see how it, this Manchester City story will, 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 will change but and will, will end up. But also important to say that other clubs too, and you know better than me about Paris Saint-Germain, for example, have completely changed the approach. PSG did almost nothing in the January transfer window, uh, but also in the summer they were really careful, for example, with the screener situation. To bring an example, we remember that with Akimi, another player who was playing for Inter, they asked for 80 million euros one year ago and they decided to pay this summer so last summer when they asked for screener PSG said 50 million euros or nothing and I think if they wanted a player one year ago or two years ago they were prepared to pay 60, 70, 80 no problem at all now yeah. it's different 50 or nothing so they're changing the approach many clubs and this is what this kind of sentence this kind of investigations mean now 
I must admit, I'm enjoying the comments coming in right now. Rafa jumping in and saying, ha ha ha, Manchester City getting relegated again. Ali jumping in and saying, strip the titles, strip the mm. league titles. And I mean, I guess that would be my question. It's not just to you, Fabrizio. I'd also want to hear from Michael about this one. But we'll start with you, Fab. I mean, should Manchester City face severe punishment? I know, Fabrizio, you've got to be careful how you answer this one. But I mean, realistically, as you've mentioned, and all of you have mentioned, when we see this type of noise... It does come with some consequences. If you want my answer, I don't want to lie to our people following us. I have no <laughs> idea at all. Honestly, this is really legal. So I can't predict what's going to happen. And also all the sources into the club now, they say we are not even at the stage to predict what's going to happen. So they have absolutely no idea yet. It will take time. It's not something that will be resolved in a few days or a few weeks. It will take months or maybe years to understand what's going to happen uh, on this situation. So I don't know the verdict, but for sure it's a serious situation. It's a four-year investigation, as we mentioned before, with many, many issues, not just one. So it's a dangerous situation yes but in manchester and manchester city they don't know what's going to be the the end of the story so at the moment i don't want to to lie to them don't worry fabrizio you wouldn't be the only <laughs> one it would be me who'd probably get fired from city football group as well if you're talking like this mike listen let's yeah. get into it because i mean this is serious we're not talking yeah. about something that's not been around for a while city have been punished before they've got away with it but now it looks like they're going to get punished and it could be put severe punishment now yeah, I'm intrigued once the investigation gets completed, how deep does this rabbit hole go? Because if it goes to the depths of which some rumors about Yaya Ture and Roberto Mancini, if it goes that deep and if it goes that back to the inception of the takeover from City Football Group, oof, that's a nasty situation. Look at how many titles, look at how many players, look at how many things have happened. If these allegations are all true, then there's big question marks over what could be done and what should be done over that title situation. But until then, can't say it's all speculation and you have to let the process unfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, sort of adding to, to what Mike said, I mean, obviously we know that Manchester City and PSG in particular were sort of two of the clubs that fell foul of financial fair play in the first couple of years. So you can imagine that, you know, this investigation dating back that far you know, clubs weren't as savvy about, uh, you know, financial fair play as they got sort of in recent years. So, you know, you can imagine that there's probably some stuff that, you know, can be dug into, uh, especially in those those sort of early years, which incurred, uh, you know, UEFA action against both City and PSG uh, around that time. But also, I mean, I think one of the things that, you know, is maybe most troubling about what the Premier League uh, alleged is the fact that City haven't really been cooperating with it since I think the end of 2018, which you know suggests that there perhaps might be some some you know some dodgy stuff uh, you know that they don't really want uh, you know coming to light. And I think that you know if there is uh, that kind of material, you know I, I think at the end of the day for for the good of football, uh, you know it has to come to to surface. And if that means that City do face some sort of punishment, I'm I'm not saying right now you know strip them of the titles, all of that kind of stuff. But you know if there is punishable um, you know offenses uh, in in City's past, uh, and it, to be honest, it would be the same for for PSG as well. Uh, you know I think clubs you know have to be held accountable for 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 those sorts of breaches of uh, you know the financial rules. Going to get to more questions in the comments in just a minute, including you, Aaron. I can see you there firing in about three questions. I'll get to them as quickly as possible. For Reese, I wanted to get your opinion on the game yesterday. Tottenham against Manchester City. Harry Kane, 267 goals now for Tottenham Hotspurs, breaking Jimmy Greaves' club record. Um, thoughts on the overall game from you? Put your analyst hat on here. Um, and I guess the overall question here would be about Harry Kane. I mean, he's scoring goals for fun. I love seeing him breaking records, but I want to see Harry Kane lift trophies. So do you think at some point we could see him finally moving to another club? So he can lift the trophy? <laughs> I'm told that he still wants to win with, with Tottenham. Eh? He still wants to win to Tottenham. He's still fighting for Tottenham. And there will be conversations in the next weeks between his brother, the agent of Harry Kane, Charlie, and, uh, and Tottenham to discuss about the new contract. So Tottenham are not giving up on that. They want Harry Kane to be the face of their project also in the future. And so there will be more conversations very soon to try to extend the contract. I think there is also a crucial point uh, yesterday after the game with Antonio Conte, who was not, of course, on, on the bench yesterday against Manchester City. But right after the game in the dressing room, calling Harry Kane, the relationship between Kane and Conte is fantastic. So Antonio Conte's future and Kane's future, I think, are going to be relinked in the next in the next month. It's going to be really important to understand what happens with, with Conte and so what happens with Harry Kane and new contract conversations. In general, I think, honestly, I'm not surprised because Antonio Conte against Pep Guardiola is always doing an incredible job. We always see Tottenham going at the best when they play against Pep Guardiola's team. So I'm not surprised at all. Also, I think they wanted to do something special for the manager, for Antonio Conte. And if 
difficult moment for him. And this yeah. was another extra motivation for, for the team. But I expect Tottenham to do very well in the second part of the season, honestly. I know how Antonio Conte works. You know how crucial is the second part of the season. Also in the Champions League with Tottenham playing Milan, who are in a very difficult moment in Serie A. And so I think for them it's a big opportunity and they expect Tottenham to go forward with very good performances in the second part of the season. Oh, one club that is not going forward with good performances, Manchester City. They're on display. They got exposed by Harry Kane's Tottenham Hotspurs. And they say the grass is greener on the other side. João Cancelo leaving City on loan, going to Bayern, getting assists. Could this be a permanent move, Fab? It's possible, but at the moment, I think what Dazan Salihamidzic, a director of Bayern, uh, said is, is the most correct answer. So he said at the moment, 70 million euros for us because it's a buy option for 70 million euros is too much. So it's something that we can't pay at the moment for Bayern to pay that money for a right back in a summer where they're expected to go also for a center striker to replace Lewandowski one year later. I think 70 millions for Cancelo is too much. But I would not be surprised, as he mentioned, if they try to find a solution together. If both parties, Cancelo and Bayern, want to continue together, they can try to negotiate with Man City and to try to find another way for, uh, for Joe Cancelo to stay. They're really happy at the moment. Cancelo, as you mentioned, is doing very well. Immediately with assists, he's always playing. I think he's the perfect team, he's the perfect manager, the perfect league for him also. So the, this, this Cancelo deal, I think it was really perfect for all parties involved. And so I would not be surprised if they try to find another kind of formula, maybe another loan with a buy obligation, something like that for, for the future. But at the moment, it's really too early to predict. For sure, Cancelo is super happy at Bayern and Nagelsmann is in love with Cancelo. I think this was a top, top deal for all parties involved, apart Manchester City, of course. Real quickly, I did notice, obviously, there was this uh, three-minute conversation that Pep Guardiola referenced to in his press conference that he had uh, with Chiki, uh, potentially talking about you know a new left-back coming into the club. And I did see Anthony Robinson's name mentioned from Fulham. I am a big fan of Robinson. Very, very nice player. Obviously, yeah. US international as well. Um, but I'm surprised that there's not more noise about Anthony Robinson, especially yeah. when it comes to the bigger clubs. I think it will be in the summer, you know. I think in the summer there will be some movement around him because, uh, honestly, I'm not aware of Manchester City trying to sign him in the final days of the window. Also because, as Pep mentioned, they, they want to do it in the summer. They wanted Kukureya last summer. Then we know that they decided to stay with the same squad and add Sergio Gomez in the final days of the window. But, of course, he has good potential, but he's not ready to make an impact as Manchester City player. And so this is why they're going next summer for, for a left-back. But I think, in general, Anthony Robinson will be one of the players to watch because there will be a big movement of left-backs left on, on the market. For example, Inter are following him in Serie A. He's a player they appreciate. There are also other clubs around Europe who are following him. And so I'm sure that Anthony Robinson would be part of a left-back domino. While well, we have to respect Fulham because they're doing an incredible job. And Robinson is part yeah. of the project with Marco Silva, who is doing fantastic. Uh, Fab, there's a lot going on with the City football group and the team itself. A lot of disgruntled players being reported. Could we see a massive clear-out? And could one of those players be Bernardo Silva? I don't know if it's going to be a massive clear out because it depends, of course, on how the situation will, will be and also, in general, how they want to proceed in the project. So it's really too early. I think, for example, if they win the Champions League or not, this is going to be a crucial point to understand how they will continue the project. But on Bernardo Silva, I think there is a good chance for him to leave Manchester City in the summer. Yes, this is my feeling. Speaking to sources, they know that last summer he was really thinking of leaving Man City with Barcelona interested, but then Barcelona were never offering the 80, 90 million euros asked by Manchester City to sell Bernardo Silva. This summer, so summer 23, I'm sure that uh, there will be some movement around Bernardo Silva because the player is thinking about other options and I think there is a chance, a chance for him to, to leave Man City and try something different. Let's see if it would be Barcelona or any other club, but for Bernardo this could be a serious possibility. Well, related to Barca, obviously, is this eternal question of whether they try to, to make a move to bring Lionel Messi back. Now, with regards to Messi's contract talks, uh, do, you, do you have an update for us on, on sort of what that looks like? I know that you tweeted over the weekend that it's likely to sort of take place sometime later in February. Uh, the discussions uh, you know, between him and PSG, which could be crucial to, to sort of sealing his future at the club. Obviously, there's been links with the likes of Inter Miami, who have been linked with Busquets uh, as well. Uh, just wondering if you had any news on that for us fab yes on on messi we can say that the representatives of leo messi and so his father jorge but also the other people close to leo messi will be in paris this month in february so there will be a conversation also in person because of course paris and germain and messi side are speaking about the new contract uh, it's almost two months now so it's not the first meeting but it will be an important meeting in person 
in Paris in February. So we are entering into the key stages of this contract extension. Uh, I'm told that Leo is really happy in Paris, really happy with the manager, really happy with the teammates, really happy with the city, really happy with the director, Luis Campos, who has a great relationship with, with Leo Messi. So at the moment, the intention is to continue together. They had that kind of verbal pact uh, at the end of the work of like, okay, we will continue together, but let's meet to decide about the length of the contract, one year deal, one year with an option, maybe two years. So they have to discuss about the length of the contract, the details of the salary, but I don't see any big issue at the moment. I think Messi wants to continue at PSG, PSG wants to continue with Messi, and so this will be an important meeting to enter to the key final stages of this contract extension, but the expectation of all parties on PSG and Messi's side is to continue together at least for one more year. All right, let's get into it. We know there's a lot of talks about Zaniolo. We only have a few minutes left here with you, Fabrizio. Zaniolo to Galatasaray. We know the Turkish window is still open there. Anything happening? Anything going? Yes, this is very possible. I know it's surprising because the Zaniolo story in the January transfer window has been mad. Uh, he was in the list at Tottenham, but Tottenham only offered a loan with a buy option and Roma said no. Then AC Milan wanted Zaniolo, but again, loan with buy option and Roma said no, only permanent transfer or nothing. And then what happened is that in the final days of the window, Barmouth, it was Friday, so uh, right before the end of the, of the window, Barmouth offered 30 million euros for a permanent transfer. Roma said yes, and the player said no. Then on deadline day, Zaniolo called Barmouth, his agent, of course, to tell them, okay, now I'm ready, I want to come. But Barmouth already invested that money on Amal Traoré, and so this is why the deal collapsed with Barmouth. But Zaniolo is in a big fight with, uh, with Roma at the moment. It's really complicated for him to return to play a game for Roma. And this is why Galatasaray are really in advance at all to sign Zaniolo on permanent transfer. So this is really important for Galatasaray because it's really surprising to see them investing that money. But this is the reality. They made a bid, 22 million euros. They are discussing about the add-on structure with Roma, as Roma always asked for 30 million euros, but they could accept around 26, 27. So negotiations ongoing, but there could be a breakthrough in talks very soon, I'm told. Maybe today, tomorrow. Zaniolo already accepted Galatasaray. Of course, there will be a release clause into the contract for him to make sure he could leave maybe Turkey, I don't know if next summer or next year. But the idea is to include the release clause into the contract. But Zaniolo is really close to joining Galatasaray. It has gone well for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang at Chelsea Football Club. It's well documented, but that means he could be on his way out. Could he be coming to a certain place, maybe a little USA? Hmm? 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 I'm told at the moment, I also saw these kind of rumors, and what I can say is that it's true people close to Aubameyang are trying to explore the market uh, in MLS and also in other countries to try to find a solution because we know he can't go to any other European club because of FIFA rules. This is why he didn't move in the January transfer window. So they're exploring other leagues to try to find, uh, to find a way. But at the moment, I'm told still nothing advanced or nothing close with, uh, with Chelsea or Aubameyang. I also saw these rumors with the LAFC, but at the moment... Still not something concrete, just some inquiries, some approach, but nothing else. So let's see in the next days. But for sure, the Aubameyang situation is, is complicated. He's out of the Champions League squad. It's not an easy moment for him, and I expect him to leave Chelsea, if not now, in the summer, for sure. Aubameyang in Los Angeles. If you're looking for trouble, you absolutely can find it in Los Angeles right now. Now, there is reports that Jesse Marsh has just been fired by Leeds United. It is not confirmed, so we're going to let Fabrizio go and check out and see. So make sure you follow Fabrizio with the breaking news, everything that's happening around the football space. He will always have it on his social media platforms. Fabrizio, thank you so much for uh, joining us thanks today. Much. We appreciate you. It was a lot that we threw at you today, but we always appreciate it. It's always great to see you, and thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you. Thank you, as always. Always pleasure, and see you soon here on House of Champions. Thank you. All right, everybody, we're going to take a quick break. More to come from the boys. When we return, keep those questions coming in. House of Champions, we'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. 
and our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Well, don't miss out on any of the Serie A action. Follow some of the biggest stars in the sport like Olivier Giroud, Rafael Leao, Lautaro Martinez as they try to lead their teams to Scudetto. How will the table change going forward? Which club has the best chance of winning it all? Which clubs have the most to lose? Find out all the answers and stream every match from Italy's top soccer league live only on Paramount+. Plus. Try one month free with promo code Serie A. Welcome back. You're watching House of Champions. It's Ian Joy with Jonathan Johnson and Michael LaHood. Real quickly, we've got to talk about Jesse Marsh. We are still waiting for confirmed reports here, but um, it wouldn't surprise me, Mike, that um, Leeds United wanted to make a change. They're flirting with relegation. They can't find a win right now, Leeds United. Even though they have just given him permission to bring in Weston McKinney, mm. um, I wouldn't be too surprised with this move if it did happen. Yeah, I, I watched the game at the weekend, and it wasn't for a lack of chance creation, but the belief in the team is gone. Some of the chances that they had, Patrick Bamford looked pedestrian. Noto looked to be a bit of a spark. But some of these young players, they need something else. The team needs something new. And you could see the look of worry. We saw it with Frank Lampard right before he got the axe. You could see that same similar look of worry in Jesse Marsh's face. So frustrating to be in his position because you've built this thing. You've gotten it this far. You survived last season, kept the club up. But I think it might be time. But look at it from a USMNT point of view. Is this not perfect timing for Jesse Marsh to suddenly become available on the market? That's a great question, JJ. I, I think it could be. It just depends who the new sporting director is going to be for the U.S. men's national team because he might already have someone in mind, but it'd be hard to overlook Jesse Marsh, especially given his track record working with young players like a Brendan Aronson, who he currently works with at Leeds and would be working with at the U.S. men's national team. No, listen, it's a perfect fit. I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. If we're looking for the next man to lead the national team forward, and I was a big fan of Greg Berhalter, but I was not a big fan of the fact that he wasn't pushing these players. I always kind of saw what was on the sidelines and it was a muted Greg Berhalter, which I'm not used to seeing. I'm sort I'm used to seeing an aggressive um, push your players, try to get to that next level, Greg Berhalter. And I didn't see that uh, from him in the, the sidelines of the U S national team far too calm in front of the media as well. I want him, I wanted him to just be himself. Jesse's that guy. In my opinion, I like Jesse um, as a human being. I think he means yeah. well. Um, this is a very difficult job. You're going to Legion United. I think we all know JJ as well. Legion United is a very difficult job, right? Because after Bielsa, I mean, you follow Bielsa, who was a cult hero there as well. You're always going to fail at some point if you can't get the fans behind you. And the only way to get the fans behind you at Legion United is by winning games consistently. And it, okay, he saved them. They, they, they managed to stay up. And this year, they're flirting relegation again. But it's only a matter of time before that club goes down. And if it does, it might be a while before they get back up. So with all the Americans being brought in, Jesse on the sidelines kind of felt like the writing's on the wall here if they don't get it right for a lot of these American players in particular. Um, and for Jesse, because he's the one who's bringing them in there. Leeds just weren't the same without Bielsa, as far as I'm concerned. They need to move on from Jesse. I wouldn't be surprised if this was the case, but I do believe you're right, JJ. I think he could be the perfect fit for um, the U.S. men's national team. And I ask everybody out there in the comments, what do you think about Jesse Marsh? If it is true, the rumors that are going out there now, and they are confirmed, is Jesse Marsh the right man for the U.S. national team going forward? JJ, I'm coming back to you. If he is gone, who would be the right man to keep Leeds United safe? Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, a really good question. Uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, sort of building on the points that you guys have discussed. Bielsa is a very difficult guy to follow uh, for many reasons, not just because what he demands of the players and sort of the state of the team that you get the, you, you know, you're, you're handed over when you take over after him. It's very difficult to live up to the emotional bond that he creates at a lot of his clubs. Uh, you know, and I think Leeds now, uh, you know, more than ever needs somebody else who can perhaps try and rebuild that sort of, you know, emotional connection. And it's it's really difficult to see where there might be somebody, uh, you know, who can sort of generate, uh, you know, that kind of emotion, that kind of us against them uh, or us against the world mentality that leads are going to need if, if, you know, they are to survive in the Premier League. Uh, I also think given the way that this squad has been constructed now, it's been constructed by, uh, you know, somebody who not only, uh, you know, has, you know, put a very American influence uh, or flavor on this squad, but it's also one that, you know, has a lot of sort of Red Bull 
um, you know, running through it as well. So perhaps okay. somebody who has coached in that environment might be a might be a good pick. Uh, you know, I know that there's been rumors about Tedesco going to join the Belgium national team. You know, somebody sort of in that mold, uh, you know, I think could be a good shout. It's a great club as well. I think we can all agree. Legionnaire fans, the structure, the, everything they've got behind them. It's, it's a really great club. Um, and it, it seemed to me like it could have been a perfect fit for Jesse had he just got those consistent results. But as you can see, we're all checking to see if there is latest and greatest news uh, breaking from Leeds United uh, across their social media platforms. Nothing's happening right now. Unconfirmed reports that Jesse Marsh has been sacked as Leeds United boss. Again, unconfirmed, but we will try to get to it as soon as we can if we're still on air. Let's turn our attention to some of the action that took place this weekend rather costly for me was Arsenal's defeat this weekend Michael um, Everton Sean, Sean Dyche, um the impact and we yeah. talked about this last week bleep test and all it seems to be working mm-hmm. for Everton Football Club even though Arsenal were certainly not at the best it's definitely Dyche ball to the max except they didn't play 4-4-2 they played a 4-5-1 I thought the tactical wrinkle that was excellent is just the physical prowess of the midfield three why 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 play players out of position Frank Lampard when you could play Ghana Gay as a defensive midfielder and Andre Onana getting him higher up the field as a box-to-box midfielder really ruffled the feathers of Arsenal and of course it had to be a set-piece goal Tarkovsky James Tarkovsky Former Burnley man getting the game winner. Just excellent, excellent game plan from Sean Dyche. And what a way to introduce yourselves to the Everton faithful. It was uh, a goal that was very much made in Burnley because I think it was, uh, wasn't was it Dwight McNeil who delivered yeah. it as well? So it's like mm. Dyche overseeing a win uh, <laughs> where the assist is provided by a former Burnley player and the goal. Uh, is scored by a former Burnley player. So yeah, if, uh, <laughs> if if there's if there isn't a goal that's made in Burnley, then I think you know that is as good a candidate as any. So, and I th- I think it, it was inevitable in a way that this game would be more difficult for Arsenal than it would have been. Obviously, had Lampard still been in charge or had Dyche, you know, not been, uh, you know, named coach just yet, because there's always going to be that sort of element of the new manager bounce. But it's very, very interesting reading around sort of what Dyche has been doing in his first week, uh, you know, in the job at Goodison Park and, uh, you know, just taking things back to basics. And I, f- I really feel, especially in the Premier League, when, you know, you bring in, uh, you know, a coach who, you know, with all due respect to Frank Lampard, when you bring in a coach who knows what he's doing and they follow on from somebody where you can debate whether they knew what they were doing or not, same happened with Unai Emery coming in after Steven Gerrard. When those kind of coaches who have a very clear idea of what they want their players and their teams to do uh, come in and start putting things into place, the simple stuff generally tends to to, to bring the results uh, that are required. Uh, you know, and it's no surprise to me that, you know, Daesh has managed to get off to a positive start. Now, can he bring in the remainder of the points necessary to keep uh, Everton away from relegation? Obviously, it's going to be a big challenge. But for me, I think he's the perfect candidate to, uh, to succeed. I agree. Yeah, and right on the queue, right on the money, our very own Fabrizio Romano confirming Jesse Marsh of Leeds United has been sacked. I repeat, Jesse Marsh has been sacked at Leeds United. And question to both of you guys putting the host hat on is who finishes in the Premier League? Who gets relegated, Leeds or Everton, given this news and given how Everton has rebounded under Dyche? JJ, go ahead. You go first. I mean, honestly, it's... um... It, it feels very overwhelming, um, the the sort of temptation to say Leeds are going down at this moment in time and that Everton will stay up. Uh, I think it's, personally, I think that the Leeds squad is in a better position to be salvaged depending on who comes in. So much of it is going to play now on who comes in to replace Marsh. If Leeds have an idea, uh, you know, already in mind, uh, I think that has to be a critical element of this because if Leeds don't, then that is a huge, huge risk that they're taking if they don't have somebody lined up already. But for me, I I give the edge to Everton at this moment in time solely because of the appointment of Dyshu. I think any club in that kind of position that Leeds and Everton are in at the moment would be looking at bringing somebody like him in at least until the end of the season to try and keep their teams in the league. Listen, as you just mentioned, breaking news here on House of Champions, our very own Fabrizio Romano reporting that Jesse Marsh has been fired by Leeds United. He is gone. And um, yeah, very interesting news this morning. The news this morning breaking about Manchester City financial fair play irregularities and uh, getting fined by the Premier League. Now breaking news about Jesse Marsh. It is a very strange weekend. Um, let's just touch upon that real a little bit more. I mean, obviously, we would like to go through all the results, but I think this is just massive news. we got to touch upon it. Yeah. Um, 
what next for for Jesse Marsh if it's not the national team, uh, Mike? If it is the national team, fair play. But if it's not the national team, where does he go from here? I mean, Jesse Marsh has been in Austria. He's been in the Bundesliga. He's now uh, been in the Premier League. Hasn't worked out. Hasn't worked out for him in Europe whatsoever. Could Major League Soccer be an answer? Could it be yeah. only the US national team as a way to go forward for Jesse Marsh? Breaking news again, as Fabrizio Romano just reported, Jesse Marsh fired. Go ahead, Mike. Yeah, I think it, it's down to the ambition of Jesse. It's a very ambitious move for him to have taken, left the Red Bull job where he was very successful, left in the middle of the season to go to Austria to take the Salzburg job and then obviously go to the Bundesliga. Jesse is a very ambitious and very driven individual. You and I know him very well. And I think that if he was to come back stateside, it would be to the U.S. men's national team. I do not know and I do not think that it's time for him to come back to MLS yet. If he decides to come back to Major League Soccer, though, there isn't a club that wouldn't jump at the chance to get a proven winner in this league, to get a, a coach who has had success in Europe, maybe not as of late, but has had success in Europe, has had results in the Champions League, to come back to the league here in America. But I think that he's probably going to end up with the U.S. men's national team if he comes back stateside. I've got a question actually for Ian, uh, and this is a, a managerial dismissal that's sort of flown under the radar because obviously we don't talk as much about the Bundesliga here uh, as we do other leagues. But Hoffenheim parted company with their coach uh, at the start of this week. Now, I'm wondering, you know, sort of uh, the assumption would be that Jesse Marsh, USMNT, would be the best fit. But how high was his stock after leaving Leipzig? Whether, you know, he might be get he might get given another chance in the Bundesliga. Uh, you know, perhaps Hoffenheim could be a good immediate landing spot because the Bundesliga is a league which tends to generally recycle a lot of the same managers over and over. But Hoffenheim right. are one of those clubs that's kind of more modern in their way of thinking. And maybe they jump at the opportunity to speak to at least, you know, have the discussion with somebody like a Jesse Marsh. Well, Jesse didn't have much time, if you remember, uh, in the Bundesliga as a head coach. He was an assistant for a long time at Leipzig before he did take the, the, the job at Salzburg, where he had almost 100 games. Um, but I think he only had about 20 games in the Bundesliga as the boss of Leipzig, which is certainly not enough time to prove yourself. He's clearly well thought of when it comes to um, his coaching style and certainly the Red Bull system. And they gave him opportunity, but to jump to Leeds United was a big gamble as far as I'm concerned, because you either make it work, especially after replacing a Bielsa, and it's going to be a massive success and everybody's going to love him at Leeds United, or this happens. You get fired very quickly for inconsistent results. Now, saving a club is one thing. That's a tremendous achievement. Mm -hmm. But when you actually get to a stage where they'd now demand that you try to get into the top half of the table, that's another thing, trying to achieve that with a Leeds United. With Leipzig, I don't think he was given a fair shot, my personal opinion. I think he was, um, and not hiding my words here, I think he was shit on pretty quickly. They managed to push him out the door very quickly because the results weren't there and they weren't willing to give him time to try and get it right at Leipzig. Um, and okay, the results weren't fantastic, but his style of play was interesting and um, his decision-making with certain players was also interesting, which led to the reason why he was fired. Now, Hoffenheim, as you've mentioned, just uh, fired Andrew Brighton-Reiter and they do have a lot of money as well. And they are a club with great history as far as bringing players through and giving young coaches an opportunity and young coaches a chance. So maybe they have someone already in their system that they're thinking about, or maybe they try something completely new and different. Now, when I say tradition, obviously Hoffenheim is a club that was bought, a lot of money being spent into it, similar to what we see with Leipzig, where you don't normally see this in Germany. It's it's not like uh, owned by the supporters and where they make all decisions. It's not. It is an ownership group and uh, an owner who in particular is wanting, uh, they want success. I think Jesse could be a very good fit in the Bundesliga. But my per personal preference for him right now would be the national team. I don't see anybody else. Like if I'm thinking now, who would be the correct former uh, foreigner to come in and coach this national team? I couldn't tell you one. I'd love to say Zidane. I'd love to say Bielsa. I'd love to say all these great names. But none of them, in my personal opinion, could do a better job than what Jesse Marsh could do with the national team. And he's already made it publicly clear that he wants that job. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised that if you look at what's happening with Greg Berhalter, that the U.S. national team have been waiting patiently to announce who's going to be their next boss, wondering whether or not Jesse was going to be able to hang on to his job. I wonder if they were actually waiting for this kind of news and now probably licking their lips. Because right now there is a lot of change that has taken place at U.S. soccer. There's a lot of people who have, in my opinion, uh, disrespected the system and uh, a lot of corruption. Yeah, I'm saying it. I don't care. 
I don't hold it. I don't need to hold a candle to all these people. There's a lot of corruption going on in U.S. soccer. And there's people inside U.S. soccer now trying to clean that up. And I think if you throw a Jesse Marsh in there, you have got a, a human being you can trust. As Mike pointed out, we know him very well. You've got a human being you can rely on who can push these youngsters forward and someone who is well-respected within the U.S. soccer system. So for me, it's not to stay in the Bundesliga, JJ, to answer your question. For me, it would be, yes, he would get an opportunity. For me, it's absolutely about U.S. soccer. Uh, Mike, uh, that was the longest answer in the show history, as producer Des has responded. But you wrap it up quickly, and then we'll move on to whip around the other games before we get out of here. Yeah, I, I think you said it all perfectly, and I think we should probably do the whip around games because, I mean, you, you, hey, you said it, we put a nail in it, let's move forward. All right, JJ, uh, Liverpool once again, not good. Wolves once again, getting better under Lopetegui. We have to give Lopetegui more credit, right? I mean, the way they performed against Liverpool was incredible. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Wolves had only scored six home goals this season before they put three past Liverpool. I mean, this was a stunning result, or was it? It was a stunning result. A uh, stunning result because I don't think many of us could have predicted that Lopetegui would hit the ground running in the way that he has with Wolves. Uh, I, I was curious after they drew with Villa sort of how it would play out because I saw a lot of interesting things from Wolves then. But never did I think they'd be pulling off this kind of result. But also at the same time, I'm kind of in this weird situation where am I surprised that Liverpool still continue to, to struggle like this, given sort of what we know, what we've discussed so many times? It's just this weird quirk that, that follows Jurgen Klopp around. When his teams start to struggle, they really, uh, you know, they, they pretty much conk out. And that's what it feels like watching Liverpool at the moment, that they've given, yeah. you know, sort of everything they could over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, and it, it's now like the car is really majorly in need of an overhaul or, you know, potentially replacing because there's just so many parts about it that suddenly are just not functioning the way that they used to. Did you say fire club? Is that what you heard? <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't say I didn't say yeah. fire I didn't say fire club, but it's getting harder and harder to envisage with Liverpool on the pitch and also off the pitch, because let's not forget what's been going on with the club away from the pitch as well. Uh, a future where they move together as harmoniously as we imagined, uh, you know, just a couple of months ago. I go back to some of the decisions that were made in the summer. Saidu Mane leaving the club. How do you not keep a player who was so integral to your Champions League final run? I know Mohamed Salah, you gave him the big contract. Bobby Firmino as well. It ain't the same team. Firmino out. That that, pes that, that pesky calf. It's amazing when the calf, when, when, when there's change about to happen, when your calf heals up right away, but when the same manager is there and you want to play for him, the calf is still a bit tight. Been there as a player, seen plenty of players do it as well. Think it's happening with Firmino. And of course, the Van Dyke injury. It's down the spine. It ain't happening. And I think it could be time to part ways with Jurgen Klopp. I'm saying it. I think it could be time. I'm not there yet. I'm certainly not there yet. Although I'm not impressed with his post-match uh, interviews as well, the way he's handling the situation. It's like you've had so much success and now to to spit your dummy out is uh, a little frustrating. But I think, I believe in, in Jurgen Klopp. <laughs> Let's turn our attention, JJ, to Chelsea against Fulham. Chelsea really struggled. They started Enzo. Um, they're struggling to score goals right now. Um, when will the pressure start to turn on Potter himself? Because obviously with the money spent, he's the man in charge to try and get these players playing again. So... I mean, it's a good result for Fulham at the end of the day, but Chelsea just really struggling to score goals and, and put victories on a board. I mean, I think anybody kidding themselves that Graham Potter's not under pressure, uh, you know, needs a reality check. We saw with Thomas Tuchel, you know, really how short, uh, you know, patience is at Stamford Bridge. And despite all of this talk about, yeah, you know, the squad is, uh, you know, under, uh, under construction, there's going to be time, there's going to be patience. Failure to qualify for European soccer, I'm pretty sure will result in, you know, Potter's project being terminated, assuming he even gets that far. Because if these kind of results continue, the team fails to score uh you know fails to even look coherent on the pitch because it, it doesn't you know so much of the time at, at this moment in time i mean yeah you know we have to bear in mind that for potter you know the players available to him are changing you know or were changing during the january transfer window pretty much at an hourly rate but uh, you know i think also at the same time there's so much talent in that squad. They absolutely, uh, you know, have to be doing much better. I mean, they're pretty much on a par with Villa, uh, you know, in the league table right now, which is great, great for us. But that is, you know, pretty damning of, uh, you know, where Chelsea have gone these last couple of months, considering where Villa have been coming from. So it's, yeah, I, I think it's starting to, to get close to squeaky bum time for Potter. 
It's very squeaky bum, and you better get extra padded toilet paper because I'll tell you why. He still doesn't have a striker. All these players coming in, and you still haven't addressed the biggest issue. You don't have a reliable goal scorer. All these players coming in, they need someone to serve the ball into. They need someone to get on the end of a pass, and Kai Havertz is not it this season. They're trying to get rid of him, and no one will bite at the it was a 50 million pound or 50 million euro price tag trying to recoup what they paid to get him in in the first place. I think it's very, very scary times for Chelsea Football Club. I think it'll be very scary times for Graham Potter himself. Now that they have all these players in, we will see what will happen because there's no excuses moving forward. I've got a question actually for, for both of you guys. Bearing in mind the changes that Chelsea made to their Champions League squad, You've got guys like Ziyech, uh, you know, still in the Champions League plans. You've got Badia Shil, who's who's done fairly well since signing not in the group. You know, to me, does that does that suggest that, you know, Potter is perhaps not on board with all of the players they're kind of being forced on him? I'm not, not saying that he doesn't rate a lot of these players that he's been given, but, you know, perhaps bringing them in at this moment in time was not necessarily part of his plan or his vision. Well, this is a great point. And Vic is jumping in the comments right now and saying Potter's backside is on fire. I feel for the poor man. He is obviously a Chelsea fan and following very closely with what's happening right there. We are being told to move on because we do have a big in-depth discussion about Chelsea tomorrow, JJ, which you can really delve into it. Mike, I know you're eager to get into that one as well. But I'm not on it. I want want my Chelsea now. (laughs) (laughs) Pick up the phone later on. We'll have a chat. (laughs) I got to quickly whip around the rest of Europe before we do get out of here because we're touching 43 minutes here uh milan derby mike um oh yeah ac milan are struggling right now i've watched yeah. the milan derby inter look very very good they could have had four or five in this game and um, clearly just missing their opportunities and also unfortunate at times um but milan if you have a look at their last seven games they're in a Ooh. shocker right now this is yeah. not good for milan and i'm trying to figure out how they fix this ah oh, man it, it's it, watching them play It's not down to tactics. It's a mentality. It's an intensity factor that I question about this current team. Last season, yes, they were getting goals. Rafa Leal getting the goals. Olivier Giroud getting the goals. But there was a bite about how they defended. There was more bite about how they counterattacked. This season... I don't know if it's the Champions League and and the expectations defending a title. They're just too much for a generally young Milan side. Yes, they have elder statesmen in Giroud and Simon Kahar at the back line. But it's just kind of falling apart for them. And I'm starting to question if they even make Champions League, given this continued run of form. For Inter, hey, they keep getting better and better. I see them putting one hand and a vice grip on that second place. Depending on what happens with Napoli, potential point deductions, it could make for an interesting headline at the end of the year for a title run-in. But I like what I see from them. Latoro Martinez getting back in goal-scoring form. But the midfield three, Cherenoglu, Mkhitaryan, and Barella. Barella was excellent. One of the unsung heroes of this team this season. Good. I like what I see from them moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it's interesting how they're sort of getting this uh, this this second wind at this moment in time, and uh, I'm curious to see how it plays out for for Inter over over the ne- the next few months. But for for Milan, it, it feels really weird. It feels like they've been knocked off kilter a little bit by a lot of the stuff that's going around in the in the press at the moment. Because let's face it, it's not just Juve, uh, you know, who are sort of in the eye of this uh, plus Valenza storm. There's there's also been question marks about other sort of aspects of Italian football over the last couple of years. If I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think there's been some questions potentially about the the takeover of Milan as well. So there's been a lot of like discussions about that in the press. Uh, you've got the speculation regarding Leao's future. Obviously, uh, you know, as far as uh, you know, sort of young talented assets go, he is you know right up there at the very top of the list. But you've also got another uh, you know a cu- couple of concerns where you've got some of these old timers, Giroud, Zlatan, uh, even Simon Kier, you know, guys who are you know eating up fairly significant wages you know sort of their output is is not going to be that high for for that much longer I means Latin hasn't played really that much for months and months now you know Kier has had his injury issues as well and Giroud as evergreen as he's been it kind of feels like it's now time for Milan to sort of move on from some of these more experienced players and perhaps you know give a bit of an injection of youth into into this squad we've already seen that they're going to make certain decisions at the end of the season so Junior Dest is not going to be kept on on a permanent deal so it feels for me like Perhaps uh, you know the changes that maybe could have been made in the wake of winning the the scudetto will absolutely have to be forced upon Milan this coming summer. 
Yeah, Milan has been taken over by the Americans just like Chelsea. That's the comments coming in right now. Uh, we also have Milan have lost their form. They forgot about second season syndrome, not buying for the extra width. Liao looks disinterested right there. And at the same time, also probably a bit frustrated, uh, but very frustrating for Milan fans out there. I hope you watched the great coverage on Paramount Plus yesterday leading up to the game. It was outstanding and the game ah, was okay. Although I do agree with you, Mike. I thought Barella was the best player in the park there, by the way. He was actually taking a piss for a minute let's turn our attention real quickly before we do get out of here to la liga um real madrid uh, once again dropping points this time to mallorca mike i mean this is yeah. uh this is not good for la liga is the title race over here barcelona winning again yeah, I think so. I think you can give one hand to them on the trophy. I don't see it from Madrid, but we've seen it from them last year. When you count them out, the Champions League seemed to be the thing that breathes life into them. No big bends on the park this game. That's a big difference for them. And if you don't make penalty kicks, just really feel for Asensio in that. Not the best PK. I will never understand the stutter step. Just run right through it. He's got a cannon of a shot when he wants to. Smash it in the back of the net, man. But I still expect a bit more from Madrid in the Champions League, though. I think it's worth bearing in mind, though, as well, that Mallorca is a tough place to go. I mean, when you play in those leagues with the island teams, they're always pretty tricky away days that no big club really relishes. But it is interesting. I mean, we've talked a lot about Milan, but also about uh, Real as well. You know, you've got some of these like giants of European football who are really, really struggling post-World Cup. And we've seen the same with the likes of Bayern and PSG as well. So, you know, they're not alone in sort of finding it difficult uh, after the World Cup. And I guess, you know, some of this stuttering form is just part and parcel uh you know of uh you know the 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 the, the rarity that we had this season of the the world cup mid-campaign yeah strange season that's for sure it's also a great night out though in mallorca i'm not gonna <laughs> lie jj what a night out. many a uh, player you know, has I, been out before a game I've, I've, I've had a couple of experiences in Tenerife over the years for the football, and that's another Ooh. very, very good uh, <laughs> venue. Cognac club. Boys, uh, we're going to get out Man, of here. They don't, don't know what cognac is in Tenerife. I can, <laughs> I can assure you that. Just don't invite Nigel, all right? No, 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 no. Don't do that. Uh, we had so many more things to discuss in the show, but uh, we got to get out of here. We're running out of time. Um, I appreciate you guys uh, greatly. I appreciate Fabrizio Romano for joining us today. And once again, before we do go out here, Jesse Marsh fired by Leeds United, reported by Fabrizio Romano. Um, the rumors were stumbling at the beginning of the show. If you go back to watch it, you could actually see the breaking news during our show. It was pretty cool. So Jesse Marsh fired by Leeds United, reported by Fabrizio Romano. And um, it looks like Jesse's looking for a new job in the near future. Uh, boys, once again, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Leeds United have also just confirmed that news as well. So it's not just for Brito, but it is confirmed out there that Leeds has uh, fired uh, Jesse. It's unfortunate. But I do want to say we are back at it tomorrow with a big special. So make sure you tune in to that one. Uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening to House of Champions. Please make sure you take a minute to leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast. Also available as videos. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Guys, I appreciate you. See you tomorrow. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.